Amen. Did you mean that? You know, we've been taught before that every time we open up our mouths in the house of God, when we sing, we're teaching and admonishing one another. We're making vows before the Lord. And we just said, oh, to grace, how great a debtor, right, Jerry? Daily, I'm constrained to be. Let thy goodness like a fetter. That's a handcuff, right? Bind my wandering heart to thee. Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Here's my heart. Oh, take and seal it. Seal it for thy courts above. We have just sang that. We've just talked about it. Our brother has just told us about the great price that was paid for us. How we were redeemed from God's holiness and righteousness. Turn, if you would, in the book of Colossians. Colossians chapter 3. I hope that the words I gave you this morning were an encouragement. I hope the words our brother just gave you were a great, not just encouragement, but I hope you feel you're a debtor. I hope you feel you're a debtor to the Lord. I'd like us to look at, very briefly, passages of Scripture and consider this about what we need to make sure that we're doing in our lives. Uh, I'm not going to expound the whole passage. Our brother Jonathan did an excellent job of that. The outlines are available. I just want to pick out a couple of things to bring to our remembrance, as Brother Jerry pointed out. We read the first three verses of Colossians chapter 3, and I think it fits so well, brother, with what you just did. Thank you for the introduction. If ye then be risen with Christ, if we really believe that that redemption has been applied to our souls on our behalf. Seek those things which are above. Brethren, if you look at all the different aspects of grace that the Lord has given us, think about our baptism when when we publicly proclared our allegiance with Jesus Christ in His death, burial, and resurrection as what absolved us from our sins. It's more than just that. Our baptism, as we have been taught, and as we can go to the passages that show, also says that I have made a declaration. I am dead to this world. I am going to live a different life. Seek those things above which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection. On things above. I know this world tells you that emotions, love in particular, is something that just sweeps over you like some sort of big ocean wave that you can't control. That's a lie. You can choose what you want to put your affection on. And the Lord here commands us to do just that. See, the Lord knows our state. I mean, we've we've had that earlier this week, right? How the fact that the Lord knows us. And that's why he tells us this. Okay? He knows it's easy to get lost in this world. So he tells us, set your affection above. 
Set your affection on things above, not on the things on the earth. For ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. We need to look at our lives, brethren, as we don't have them. It's gone. I gave it up. When I got baptized and put on Jesus Christ in a public profession, I gave up my life. I'm dead to this world. That doesn't mean because the Lord has given us richly all things to enjoy. Doesn't mean we can't enjoy this life. Doesn't mean we can't do some things that are pleasurable. But the focus of my life should not be me. It should not be this world. The focus of my attention should be Jesus Christ and those things that are above. That's what we should be focusing on. Now, the next mm, one, seven or eight verses I'm going to skip because he's talking about, and they're important verses. They're talking about things in our nature we've got to put off, things that are natural to us that we need to get rid of. That's not what I want to talk about. I want us to look at, starting at verse 12, some of the things that we ought to be putting on, some of the characteristics, if we're dead, if we have died to this world, this are some of the things that we need to be putting on. Put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercies, Kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. And above all these things, put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which also you're called in one body. And be thankful. Here's some things we need to put on, brethren. What was I talking about this morning? What was kind of the thrust of my message? It was the fact that God personally, personally, cares about us. God personally has done things for us. Excuse me. For me. And because He's personally done certain things for me, if I want to follow the examples of those three good men we talked about this morning, what should I be doing for Him? What did our brother just say as he ended up? You know, what, how, how should we live? If, if Jesus Christ... Gave his blood for me. What, what should that mean to me? What should I be doing for him? He's telling us right here. He's telling us right here. We should be working in our relationships here. The relationships we have with one another. This is what the Lord wants us to do. How is it that men know that you're my, you're my disciples? Jesus asked one time, by the great knowledge of predestination and election that you have? Oh, you didn't say that? Oh, okay. 
Did he say, because you know how to parse all the phases of salvation? He didn't. Well, what did he say then? Can somebody help me? By the love that you have one toward another. Brethren, that's the big indication of Christianity. It wasn't the philosophical understanding that turned the world upside down. It was the fact that you had these Jews and Gentiles, that, I mean, by nature were at war with one another, that suddenly were at peace with one another in this thing called the church. This guy, Jesus, supposedly he died for those folks, and they want to live a totally radically different life. You know, that's what turned the world upside down. It's people being able to stand there as they've watched their loved ones cut down, hacked to pieces, fed to animals, and then they're still willing to say, well, take me next. Because I'll do that rather than deny my Lord. You know, it's because they weren't ready to foment revolution like the Jews were. But they were willing to submit to the Roman Caesars. And all you got to do is read just a little bit about those guys to find out how wicked they were, how easy we have it today, as Brother Matthew pointed out. Because they wanted to obey what their Lord Jesus Christ said. Put on, therefore, as the elect of God. Do you believe that you're one of God's children? Then this is some of the things that ought to be evident in our lives. If we're holy and beloved of God, bowels of mercy. Notice, he didn't just barely say mercy. He said bowels of mercy. This is compassionate feelings of sympathy. And wanting to show mercy to others. Wanting to show. You know, there's a big difference between showing mercy and wanting to show it. Looking for those opportunities to say to show it. And if anybody is starting to think, Newell, haven't we heard this from you recently or something? Thank you, Brother Jerry. You gave me the verses. I'm just reminding you. I'm reminding myself. Because, again, why did... Paul tell us to set our affections above because they default to below. So we've got to set them. We've got to take the effort to move our minds from down here and set them up there. We've got to remind ourselves because what do we default to? Well, isn't it my turn to choose where we go to lunch today? You know, didn't we do something for you last week in that time that I get to do what the jolly thing I want to do is? No, if we're Jesus Christ, Lord, what do you want me to do today? What's the next task you want me to, to accomplish today? Who can I show bowels of, compa- of mercy to today? It's the opposite of being selfish, stingy, cool, aloof, reluctant. Oh, but they might hurt me. I mean, I mean, we, we haven't always gotten along, you know. So what? Jesus, for the joy that was set before him, went to the cross. The joy of having your back laid open, the joy of hanging on your joints, the joy of having the wrath of Almighty God poured out upon you, 
the joy of having the father you've never, ever had one millisecond of separation from, abandoning you to take on the sins of the people of God. For that joy, the joy that was set before him of seeing us as redeemed children of God. Yeah. I say that because you go through these passages and that's what we're constantly pointed back to. The example of Jesus Christ. You know, not some noble man who, you know, gave up some position for somebody. Not somebody who gave up half of his earnings, right? To give to the poor, like good old Zacchaeus. No, someone who gave his life. Someone who gave it in the most torturous way possible, having the wrath of God poured upon him. He did that for us. What can't we do for him? And he says, have mercy, have bowels of mercy. Look for opportunities to show mercy to others. Kindness. That's benevolent, gentle treatment of others. By which we extend goodwill and favor. One of the obvious fruits of the Spirit, right? And think about its opposite. It's not being harsh. It's not being hard. Those are the marks of wicked men, not godly men. He says we're supposed to have humbleness of mind. Again, that's an attitude that comes from within. That's modest. And that's seeking to serve others rather than being promoted yourself. It totally affects your life. If you don't understand yet, I'm doing this because our pastor's needing an extra week. Do we have an example in our midst of somebody who does just this? Hey, he wouldn't say that. Yeah, he's a dirty, rotten sinner. Well, yeah, but he's one who's trying to follow his Lord. How many times have we gone out of our way to do something for somebody else? Like he does. If he's needing extra time off, brethren, it's because he's been spending a, he's been spending and been spent for us. If you know where I'm talking about over the over in Corinthians, Paul was that way. Our brother's just doing his job. He's just following exactly what the Lord taught, taught, taught him he's supposed to do as a minister. My question to us is how many of us are learning the lesson? How many of us are that are I mean, he's taught us this. I mean, I'm, this is his outline I'm reading from. This is not mine. How well are we learning this lesson, brethren? Or how often do we feel that we need to be taken care of? It's not who can I reach out and help. Who's going to help me today? You know, what, what new thing do I, do I need to bring up with someone that they can help me with? Why don't we look and see... What can we do to help someone else? Meekness, gentle, courteous, kind, uh, merciful, compassionate, indulgent, freedom from haughtiness and self-will, piously humble and submissive, patient, unresentful of injury and reproach. 
Do we ever allow ourselves to get distant from a brother or sister in this congregation? But he hurt me. They, they didn't say hello to me this morning when I came in. Me, of all people. I'm not accusing any of you like that. I'm telling you what, how I think at times. You know, they didn't tell, they, they, didn't, they didn't come up and shake my hand. You know, they were glad to see me. I had to go find them. Why aren't we out? Why aren't we? Do you come to church with a little list in your mind of the people you're going to seek out to help today? See, that's, that's a meek person. They're looking for the benefit of somebody else, not themselves. It's not weakness. I mean, you've got to be pretty strong to sit there and, you know, let them trample all over you, right? I mean, they don't, they don't come and, you know, you come to help them out. And not one time do they ask you, how did your week go? How did your day go? How is your problems at work going? You know, what are your concerns? What are your prayer requests? You know, they're just there telling you about their stuff. Oh, I'm sorry. I, I don't mean to overhear some of our pastor's conversations. And again, I'm using them, brethren, because are they perfect? No. Brother Jonathan or Sister Sherry? No. But they do that. They've got their own lives. They would love to live. And they've decided to put a lot of that aside for us because it's what the Lord said to do. But you know what? The Lord didn't just call him to do that. I I, I look at this passage, Colossians. Who's this written to? Is this written to the, the board of deacons at the church at Colossae? Oh, the presbytery, right? It's the, the, the assembly of the ministers of the church at Colossians, right? Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, chapter 1, verse 1, by the will of God and Timotheus, our brother, to the saints and faithful brethren in Christ, which at Colossae. Brethren, these are instructions to us. A minister should be an example to his flock. What's an example? That's something... That's a person that demonstrates certain characteristics and abilities for others to follow. How well are we following the example? How well are we following the instruction? We claim to be Christians, brethren. These things should be manifest. What's a manifest? That's the listing of everything that's inside. What's inside your heart as a Christian? Should be meekness, should be all these characters we're talking about. How do I see that? You know, how do I see what's inside with the manifest? It shows it, you know, and that's why they use the word manifest. Our lives should show these things forth as we're living them. Long suffering is putting up with differences, irritations, offenses of others without Resentment or revenge. Again, that's. I want to present it to you plain. That's hard, isn't it? That's hard. But how hard was it for our Lord to go to the cross? I hope you feel half as ashamed as I do when I think about that. I mean, that. My little pea brain just goes on overload. 
I, I, I cannot conceive. I cannot conceive of what it must have been like for our Lord. So, and if he could do it for me, why can't I do it for others who haven't done half as much? I mean, I don't know any one of you that's ever come up to any one of us and, you know, slapped us on the cheek, pulled our beard out, laid a cat and nine tails on our back, spat on us, made us carry a heavy wooden thing, cross beam, nailed us to it. But you know, our Lord did all that. And what did he say when he looked at them? Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. That's the magnanimous nature of the Lord Jesus Christ, who's our brother. Putting up with those differences a long time and not letting it get to you. That's hard. But I think it's worthwhile. Forbearing one another. Did you notice those words in there too? How often does it say one another, each other in this passage? This is daily, one another, all of us together. Each individually with whoever we come in contact with. Forbearing in the context means to bear, to endure, to submit to, to have patience with, to put up with, to tolerate. To abstain from injuring, punishing, or giving way to resentment against a person or a thing. To spare, show mercy. Don't you love it when the Lord just kind of Layers these words on, each a little different from one another, but still so similar. Again, one another, it tells us, if any man against any. So, periodically, do you sit down and analyze your life in this congregation and say, okay, who do I have the most difficulty with? Who's the problem I have? Who's who who is the, the member or members I have the most problem with in this church? I need to pray for them. I need to do something good for them. I need to seek them out and help them in some form or fashion. Does that ever enter your mind to do that? I mean, what enters most of our minds is where are my friends going to be today? How can I get with them? What can we talk about that we've talked about before? But Christians, no, it's who is the person that rubs me the most? How can I remove the friction? How can I make sure we're at one? Because it says here, you know, that we're one body. Didn't it say that somewhere in here? The bond of perfectness. I hear it is verse 15. To which also ye are called in one body. The Lord's aim is unity in this congregation. I don't care about the Roman Catholic Church. I don't care about the Jehovah's Witnesses. This is where the Lord has placed me. And this is what I should be concerned about. Making sure that we're at peace one with another. That I'm doing everything I can. Newell Eastland is doing everything he can to help everybody in this congregation. I'll say it right now. To the extent I haven't done that, please be merciful. Not because of me, but because of our Lord and forgive me for that. Because that's my fault. That's where I've been wrong. That's where I've been stupid. Don't be like me. Be better. Forgiving. 
In the context, it's overlooking, passing over, ignoring personal offenses, and quickly, quickly granting forgiveness when any other seeks it from us. You know, our Lord taught this. Don't you love it? Peter? I mean, we love Peter, don't we? Because he's so excited. He wants to jump right in and do something right away, right? Whether he knows what he's doing or not, he wants to be there first to do it, right? And so the Lord one time taught him, taught the disciples about forgiveness, right? And so Peter asked the question, well, Lord, do I need to forgive seven times? And I know for Peter, that probably was a big deal, right? Seven times? i got to forgive my brother? And the Lord just gently said, no, Peter, Seventy times seven. And again, we're not good Pharisees. We're not going to say, okay, at 491, then I can lower the boom. No, the Lord was just taking numbers that would just overwhelm poor Peter's mind to say, as often as you do it, do it. As often as you get opportunity, forgive. That's the teaching. And sometimes that means that those of you who are more tender have to forgive us that are the roaring lions. Just like we need to learn to rein that roar in. Again, this is part of the religion of the kingdom of heaven. This is what marks our identity as Christians. And above all, oh, excuse me, excuse me, before I go on, you know, we're supposed to forbear one another, forgive one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, again, the Lord knows just how to, you know, get it right where it hurts. Even as Christ forgave you, so do ye. So if you can ever think of any time the Lord's forgiven you for something, and to the extent that he's forgiven you, That hurts. (laughs) That hurts. At least it hurts me because I know he's forgiven me a whole lot. And above all these things, put on charity. Well, now wait a minute. Wasn't some of the stuff that he just said there, isn't that part of the definition of charity? Yeah. All he's doing here, he's not, this is not a new requirement. He's just kind of like putting the exclamation mark on it and underlining what he's just said. Charity is the fulfillment of all these things. Yeah, be charitable towards one another. That's what he's telling us. You know, he's just just using one word that's comprehensive of everything he's just described. So for some of you that may have problems, and I'm being being honest, you know. I mean, sometimes I know I'll sit there and, I mean, go over point after point after point after point. It's kind of like, I just got lost at number four and now we're on number seven. How can I remember it all? Just remember charity. Just remember love. If you can remember love and do what it means to truly love everybody in this congregation, that's fine. We won't worry about all the little details. And for those of you who are worried about the details, you've got the list. you got this list, plus you can go over to 1 Corinthians chapter 13 if you need some more. Put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness. We want to be a perfect, beautiful bride for Jesus Christ, don't we? That redemption that Jerry talked about, all the beautiful 12 other aspects that we talked about last week. That's what it, I mean, if we're really thankful for all those different things, 
This is how we can be the perfect bride that the Lord Jesus Christ wants our group to be. By being charitable, by putting on charity. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts. Peace. Peace. Blessed are the peacemakers. Why? For they shall be called the sons of God. Again, how do you know you're one of God's children? You make peace. It didn't say you're peaceable. It said you make peace. You look out to find where is their war so that peace can be made. Where is their friction? Well, let's put some oil on that so it flows more smoothly. Where's their grating? Okay, let's, let's rub off some edges somewhere so it's smoother and there's no grating anymore. You know, and sometimes that might mean that you're the lubricant. You're the one who's being poured into the situation that's between the two parties and trying to make them all at peace. Is that easy to do? That's work. That's labor. That's effort. Because you're not just trying to judge. I mean, think of the, think of uh, the, I mean, it's like what John would say. Think of all the combinations of permutations. You've got your interaction with this party here, your interaction with that party here, their interactions with each other. So you're trying to judge what's going on, what's wrong, what needs to be made right. How can I get in the middle of this and not just make it worse, but, you know, make everybody at peace? What's, what leverage can I use? How can I, you know, Get this thing together. How many of us can be better grease? Can smooth out the rough spots in relationships in this congregation? That's what he wants us to do. We should be at peace in our hearts. Everything that Jerry talked about and the other 12 young men talked about, that ought to be the most peaceful thing that we've got. Based on that, what should we be upset about? What, you know, what should really tear us out of the frame? You've got to be at peace in yourself first. Once you're at peace, then start finding the places where it's not. And help it be at peace. And be thankful. Was that just a throwaway? Paul needed a few more words to kind of round out that paragraph. So he said, ah, yeah, being thankful is a good thing to throw out there. No. Brethren, that's so important. I mean, we can sit there and look at all sorts of situations and say, oh, this is so stupid. Oh, it's so awful. Why? Why am I having to do all this work? Why do I? But if you're thankful, none of those thoughts kind of enter your mind, do they? If you look at this from the standpoint of, boy, Lord, I'm so thankful. The peace you've given me in my heart. I don't need to worry about what's happening in my work. I go out there. I work one day at a time. I do my best today. And I don't worry about it. I don't let it bother me because you're going to take care of me. I can devote my energies to better things like how can I take care of this church? How can I be a contributing member of this congregation? Oh, Lord, you know, I, I'm so glad, Lord, that, that you've redeemed me. How can I be more like your son, Jesus Christ? I know I wasn't that way yesterday. Oh, I did. I did. I, I said so such foolish things. I didn't say it. I didn't say the right thing to try to encourage somebody. Lord, Lord, how should I compose an email that would make that brother who's so despondent feel better? How can I lift him up? 
What can I say to him? How can I go over to this sister and apologize for what I said? I know I offended her. I didn't mean to. How's the best way? What little gift can I give to send to her? These are the kind of thoughts that you have when you're thankful. You're not looking for what you can get. You're appreciative of what you have. Put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercy, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another, forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so do ye, so also do ye. And above all these things, put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to the which also you're called in one body. And be ye thankful. I hope these, I hope as you go back and read passages like this, you can read it with understanding. Let's not, as we read our Bibles, just let it be little checklist items. Think about, how does this apply to my life? Am I this kind of person in the congregation? What more can I do to be more like this? How can I be... The Lord Jesus Christ has forgiven me a whole lot. How can I show Him I'm thankful? What can I do more to show him that I appreciate what he did for me? May the Lord bless our thoughts to match his thoughts. May the Lord bless us that we might follow and walk in the footsteps. Brethren, this is what will make this congregation great. This, but all of us doing this. This will make our pastor's job a breeze. To the extent that we don't do this is to the extent to which he has problems. To the extent that we're doing this is the extent to which he can get he can hit his knees and say, Thank you, God, for the Lord Jesus Christ and for his Holy Spirit and for the effect of his word on this people. Those are the kind of prayers we want to go up on our behalf, brethren. We want the Lord to be looking at someone like Brother Jonathan and saying, Oh, yeah, I'm going to answer his prayers. And we want his prayers to be, Lord, so thank you so much for this congregation. Just make them even greater. Let's all work to that end. If you all stand, please, and let's be dismissed with a word of prayer. Gracious Father, we've heard much this day. We've heard words of encouragement. We've heard words of glory of the great salvation you provided us. And we've had a few reminders. Oh, Father, remember our frame. We're but dust. Help us, Lord, to take from this day what is most needful. May, though, Lord, our attention to the preaching of your word, our prayers, our Thanksgivings, our singing, all be acceptable in thy sight, dear Father. 
and grant that Jesus Christ might be lifted up and magnified in our midst. For it's in his most glorious name we ask these things. Amen.